This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step Trader. This is our first episode of our new podcast, Limit Up, where we talk to traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you progress in your trading. Now, today I'm joined here with Mick Aronimo, our funded trader risk manager. Hey, Mick. Hey, Eddie. How you doing? Good day here today. We've got a uh, cool podcast coming up here. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm really pumped that we're launching this thing today. Today we're kicking off things with Michael Patak, the founder and CVO of Top Step Trader, and that is the reason we are all here. Now, uh, Michael starting his career in Nebraska, born and raised in Nebraska, coming to the big city of Chicago, uh, being a floor trader, all right, and uh, experiencing the highs and the lows of trading. That sounds really cool. Can't wait. All right. You know what? Let's kick it off here. Here's my conversation with Top Step Trader's Michael Patak. I'm pleased to be talking with Mike Patak, founder and CVO of Top Step Trader. Michael, welcome. Hey, Eddie. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Good. Very nice to have you here with us today. And uh, for those that uh, are not familiar with Mr. Patak, uh, we're going to hand the microphone over to Michael. And uh, Mike, I got a question for you. Um, where were you born? Where were you born and raised? We're going really far back, aren't we? I'm from Nebraska. Got a got my start in Nebraska, and then uh, got my uh, addiction to the uh, the trading game. Uh, it began watching a uh, a nice little uh, movie called Trading Places by Dan with, mm -hmm. by Dan with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. So that is uh, kind of how I got my uh, inspiration to uh, uh, start the journey of trading. Now, starting that journey of trading, okay, it, it's a dream, it's an idea, it's, uh, it's a goal in life. Now, what puts you, uh, put you in a position where you can actually at least give it a try, uh, try to live that dream? Well, I mean, when I first started, what put me in a position that I could try it was I, I had a, I've kind of always had the entrepreneurial spirit. So I had some money uh, from a little company that I started, a <clears throat> vending company, you know, as a kid, 16, 17, 18, uh, you're looking for any scrappy thing to do. So I, I, I did it in vending machines, and uh, <clears throat> I uh, would collect money from uh, those each week and deposit those and say, hey, how can I speed this up? And uh, trading, uh, that was after, after I watched the uh, Trading Places movie, and I said, all right, you know, Time is irrelevant. My uncle uh, uh, said, "Hey, uh, you know, because I asked him questions about how, how did the very end, how the Duke brothers lose three hundred million, and and Dan Aykroyd and Mur Murphy all of a sudden had a boat." And he's like, "Well, Michael, for every loser, there's a winner." And I'm like, "For every winner, there's a loser." But I always, I only cared about the winners, and uh, <clears throat> so that instantly got me uh, uh, fixated mm -hmm. on the world of trading. And I had I had some money, a little bit of money as a, as an eighteen nineteen year old kid. So I put it in a TD Ameritrade account, and it was became an active trader. And uh, that was the first start of my first account that I lost thirty thousand dollars on. And I went through two more for a total of ninety thousand dollars of losing uh, before the age of twenty five. And uh, that uh, that gave me my baptism, serious baptism by fire, in the uh, the great world of trading. And I was just trading stocks at that time. So ninety thousand. Yeah. Okay, we're, yeah. we're going to get to that. I'm going to ask you on that. But uh, what I wanted to do is, uh, you know, you started your uh, entrepreneurship at an early age. Now, 
was that something that was uh, well obviously it was successful now was that something that led you into bigger pastures uh, when we say bigger pastures, what are you in the trading world or just ideas? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It it, uh, it it kept fueling the the uh, creativity and the uh, pushing new boundaries and exploring new opportunities. Uh, um, uh, characteristic of me, I kept feeding that. Yeah. All right, and that that sort of built into top step trading. Where, where we are, where we're standing here right now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I would say definitely. And uh, you know, the learning lessons along the way. Uh, allowed it to accelerate the speed uh, which you did it and then uh, you know you know we've talked about this a hundred thousand times uh, you know the lessons that we learn mm -hmm. are basically our uh, or any mistakes that we made or losses that we made in the market are lessons learned uh, so I treat the same thing with uh, with the entrepreneurship and any lessons or any failures or any mistakes I've made treat it as a lesson learned uh, money comes in money goes out of your hand just make sure that uh, we're protecting ourselves and <clears throat> Learning from each one of our mistakes, so less right. comes out of our hand. All right, now for anyone that doesn't know what Top Step Trader is, Mike, can you give us a uh, little rundown? Of what is Top Step Trader? Uh, Top Step Trader is a great place for anybody uh, interested in uh, being an active trader to get a footing or an understanding or even develop or, or create or craft a trading strategy in a safe environment uh, with the opportunity to earn funding. On that, uh, on your performance. So we're basically, uh, we call the trading combine. It is like uh, think about the NFL combine. You think about like anything in sports. You know, you got to go out there and perform. You get your performance gets noticed. Uh, you get the phone call up and said, hey. You are. We're going to now start backing you as a uh, real professional trader, and that's that's where the uh, the concept came from. And, and I talked to you just quickly earlier about uh, the uh, the losses trading account, tra the losses in my trading account. <clears throat> I then went to a prop firm, and. Uh, kind of started over, a born-again trader, so to speak, and, and started trading on a simulator. I didn't start on a simulator uh, to bring it all full circle. I didn't start on a simulator when I first started. I started with real capital in, in real markets against real pros with no experience. And I think there's a huge gap from individuals that uh, think they can do it like that and uh, don't think that they need the training, the experience, and, and all that stuff beforehand. I didn't think I needed it, um, and, and uh, I went right to the markets and lost it all. We're uh, Tops of Traders' goal is to basically empower anyone anywhere to earn the financial freedom to pursue their dreams, uh, but do it in a safe place. Do right. it in a place where you're not going to get hurt, where your kid's college fund won't be on the line, or you're not losing $90,000. Like right. So before you before you get in the batter's box and face that 90-mile-an-hour mm -hmm. fastball, there's a process. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine you step right in the goes flying by. You're like, I, I, just, I just paid thirty grand to get up to this uh, the batter's box. Basically, what it is, I That's paid thirty is, grand, right. to get, and I got hecklers, which is my loved ones telling me you got to make money. I mean, you could put it all in analogies like that. It's it's, right. it's, it's exciting, but yeah, that's a great one. Now, it, talk about frustration. Obviously, in the financial world, there is uh, there is the the frustration. There is the victories. Now, let me ask you. So, was Top Step Trader designed out of your personal frustrations? It was designed out of my personal frustration, and if I probably would have left the comp uh, the company, the uh, the industry uh, of trading, uh, if I did not have that uh, vending company that I had uh, the uh, the uh, extra money for. Now imagine right. how many people, and I I've heard uh, on average uh, the active uh, individual that opens up a real money trading account or the personal broker on average, it's uh, they open it up at ten thousand dollars and it closes within six months. Now that to me is an issue in the industry, and all the, the all our goal is is to help like solve that help solve that problem where people can 
safely engage the markets, learn, because you learn by doing in this business. Uh, there's no risk on the line uh, of uh, personal capital in the markets. Um, you have a little bit of skin in the game in the combine, uh, and uh, you have some rules to follow in the combine. So that does help you uh, have some guiding lights on where you need to go as a trader and what you need to do to uh, advance. And and I wish I would have had that when I first started, uh, and uh, that was kind of the the uh, the light that went off and said, hey, you know what, this should be there. I'm a kid from Nebraska. I moved to Chicago, and, and I learned this way, and a lot of people would have stopped after $10,000 or never even, you know, gotten the 10 to get even started. So how do we give anybody who thinks, hey, I want to trade these markets. These look fun. These look engaging. My buddy's buddy said they did this. and he made. How do I do this safely to find out if I'm even good at it so I can get up and do that 90-mile fa fastball and I can actually connect? Right. Yeah. You know, th there wasn't an equal playing field, uh, you know, before uh, Top Step Trader hit the streets. And now there is an even playing field where anybody that uh, has the passion and dedication uh, for that uh, has the opportunity, has the opportunity to at least give it a chance mm -hmm. and see if it sticks and then progress. You were on the trading floors and you know uh, what, there were people that would back people and give them a chance, but what they do, they typically start them off as paper trading. They'd hand them a deck of cards right. and said, all right, you're my clerk, just start putting uh, where you buy it and where you sell it on there. That's sim trading in all reality. It's paper trading. It's it's, um, and then your your uh, trader or whoever was watching you. It kind of held you accountable and it helped you develop. So you saw that, right? Right. right. It was you know, and that, that was a thing too. It was basically prove yourself. Yep. And uh, in the live situation. Now, um, early in your trading career. Can we talk about that? Yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk about that bring now. Up the, bring up the past. Um, well, you know what? What were some of the defining moments? Uh, let's start out with your progress to the trading floor. You're, let's just let's start out with the first. Let's say the first quarter of the year on the trading floor. What were some of the experiences that you had? Uh, good and bad. Yeah, so I just gave you my story up until I, I was with a prop firm. After the prop firm, I was an electronic trader at the prop firm. So I went from equities to uh, trading a little bit of options in college uh, and being successful at that to then uh, getting with a prop firm right after college, uh, unpaid, unpaid, trading on a simulator, and uh, trading futures, Dow futures. So it was when the Dow futures uh, product just, the YM mini Dow just launched. Oh, my God. It was a very thin market. And uh, it was, it was, I had a uh, – so after that, I got to understand the, the markets, and then I got on the trading floor, and that's where I met you, actually. And uh, and uh, he was known as Kid Comedy guys uh, and girls, and and uh, knew what he's talking about. Very well respected, very popular guy on the trading floor. And uh, so uh, I was in the Dow pit, so I went from the Dow Mini electronic to the Dow futures pit, trading also the Mini Dow in the pit. Now, real quick. Uh, mini Dow versus the Big Dow. What's what's the contract size? Two to one. And now, when I say two to one, Mini Dow is a smaller one. So for every one Dow that I bought, I would have to sell two on the screen Mini Dow to be flat. Right. And they called it fungible or fungicated or. Now the thing is, if you want to visualize this, uh, we've got a pit of brokers, uh, pit of locals. Now, uh, do me a favor, explain what a local is. You were a local. I was a local. Yeah. So a local is an individual that just that has their own money in the game, that bought their own seat. It's not backed or anything by a uh, by a professional institution of any sort. 
Uh, so I was a local. I came into, got out of the prop firm, came with my own money, bought a seat on the floor, opened up a, 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 a account with a clearing firm. It's like a brokerage firm, same, same. Right. And then uh, get, I got access to the trading floor, and I'd go on the trading floor, and I would buy or sell in the pit. And then whatever I bought or sold in the pit, if I found a better price on the screen, instantly, you're watching both of them at the same time. Right. Just those two. I wasn't watching any other markets. Just those two. And we were following the S&Ps. We were like always watching the S&Ps because I would always lead. So you're watching these two. And I, I bought it in the pit, bought one. Oh, wow. It's, you know, I can sell for two cents higher on the, uh, on the screen. So I'd sell, you know, bought one, sell two of them out on the screen. I'm flat. And I made, you know, two ticks. Two ticks is 20 bucks, 20 bucks. That was right. 10, 10 minutes, 20 bucks in 10 minutes. Nice. Can I keep doing this? Right. So that so was the exciting part. The big doubt, that would be orders from retail. That would be orders from other locals. That would be, you know, there would be the, the, uh, the opportunity uh, to, yeah. to, to get off a big doubt. And then you'd see what you had. Uh, on the screen, and you get out, or, or either you'd enter on the screen and get out in yeah, the pit. Yeah, yeah or, vice versa. Exactly. Now, uh, question: Could you get in and out on the screen? Yes, there would be a lot of times where I just would get in and out on the screen. I throughout the day because as the there's different times, and, and you knew because you had uh, off your desk was a big amount of customers that would come off your desk, and uh, I remember. There's times where customers uh, and, and the big guys and girls that uh, J.P. Morgan's, the Goldman's, the Merrill's, and all right, they just want to play. You know, they're not playing, so there's no big movers. And, and uh, you hear other big traders talk about, you know, the big players uh, aren't playing in the markets right now or, or uh, uh, things like that. So longer time frame traders uh, or institutions, you know, they're, just not, they're sitting out. So I would trade on the screen, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, now, uh, as, as far as the progress from your $90,000 loss, okay, now that was broken up into three three separate 30k accounts correct over yeah over like a three or four year period yeah there's times where i just gave up no i not gave up said man i gotta i'm, I'm discounts done it's my second one let's just say it's my second one i need to take six months off regroup you know and then you get you kind of revisit your things of the past you revisit your journaling you revisit your notes you'd kind of look at all your mistakes uh, i treated it like an athlete uh, you know like kind of watching game film man what i threw so many interceptions game or i lost so much on this day what happened and i started reevaluating and just got in tune with myself during that time and who is michael the trader and uh that was kind of the the uh the uh, beginning of of um of actually learning to right. done truth because i curbed my ego a bit now let me ask you the listener now would you have that much determination would you have that much passion after losing 30k now 30k you were working so this wasn't uh yeah. you know it wasn't the silver spoon it wasn't you know you won the lottery it wasn't uh, you know uncle henry you know inheriting money this was this was money that you worked very hard for uh, 30k three times i, I, I lost so, that vending co- i lost the vending company from it all yeah yeah i mean i started a vending company when i was 17 uh 16 17 and built it up i had like 30 accounts in omaha and i got offered at 18 or 19 for some uh uh vending company I wanted to buy it for seventy five thousand, and i only had it for like two years and i lost it all because I, I put all the money i made in the markets and then by the time um i was done with college and all that i was out of everything and i, I got i need to get out of basically got out of debt because one of the thirty thousands i borrowed against the of credit man i mean if other people had that like i had an opportunity because i had an income from there but i then got that income went to squash because i didn't take care of it i was young and and i was new to the markets and i was young with a uh entrepreneurial uh mindset too and the vending company so lessons learned lessons learned lessons learned and and 
Right. So, so for you, the listener, how many out there, raise your hand, uh, that would, first time, first time losing 30K, a lot of us would say, you know what, this, this is not for me, 30K, what could I got with 30K, but talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the goal, uh, the target, your, your uh, mission objective, that you kept striving and striving, and then let me tell you something, we, Michael and myself were, were on the floor, we became friends, um, at one point, at one point, all of a sudden, uh, Nebraska, which we called him, yeah. uh, was one of the bigger traders. Now, it didn't obviously with it the story we're right away, yeah. we're talking about. This didn't happen overnight. It took a long time. I mean, it it took a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. And when you got to that point, uh, I remember coming off my the, the desk. And knowing that uh, you could make a market for me, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and I would ask Michael. You know, it, it, usually you'd have your your assigned brokers, but Mike was close, and and you know, we we'd talk and stuff. And he was so, sometimes the go-to guy. So you've built you built a success once you got a grasp of what worked and what didn't work. You excelled, mm-hmm. which is something that uh, you know, you should be very proud of. Because a lot of people would uh, would shy away, would quit the business, would say, you know, this just isn't mine. But um, you had the opportunity, you had the uh, the get go, and uh, you had that passion, which is something that uh, in this business, if you do not have passion, the discipline, uh, you know, this is not going to work for you. And and uh, it works for a lot of people now that uh, you, you know, working through the top step trader. Uh, community and trading the combine and learning some of the basic rules where uh, you're not trading wild you're not chasing markets you're you know you're contained in a safe zone where if you can stay in that safe zone you know what you're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel a lot quicker than other people yeah i had to get over the video game feel of trading oh yeah uh, gamification game, yeah i had to get over that and and treat it like uh I, I wanted to go somewhere with it and you could look at it i always compare it to athletes i mean yeah athletes all it's like 0.1 percent of high school varsity football players uh, make it to the nfl roster not even starter roster. So uh, now just imagine all their passion. So I, I put the same thing, and I I, I remember hearing because I was a uh, I played I was on the football team of Iowa State my freshman year. Did not play. I was on the team, so I was high school good, not college good. And uh, <clears throat> I remember uh, somebody saying, "Hey, if, uh, you can't be a professional athlete, become a trader." As a joke in Chicago, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna treat it like that." <laughs> and, and treat it like you're working on the gym. Treat, right. You know, you just treat it like a jab, jab, jab. Every day is a jab, and you're gonna take some step backs. You're gonna get sacked. You're gonna get intercepted. You're gonna get struck out. Uh, and the same thing in trading. I mean, you're going to have some cold streaks. and all that. you got to rise up. I'm, again, I don't want to discount it, but being from Nebraska, I had no zero anything upbringing on trading, and uh, I was able to make it. Not just staying in the staying in the batter's box, but I made the batter's box a lot safer with, on, on the simulator. That's one thing we're doing here. Uh, but but uh, the observing and adapting is is the big key. It's not uh, rocket science. It's not. It's being disciplined, observing what's going on. You don't have to be a part of it all. You can still observe and still learn through observation and then adaptation. Always add, uh, not thinking I have it figured out. The minute I thought I had it figured out, what happens after that? Right. Boom. You get hit. You get hit. Yeah. You get hit. Now, um, so let's segue into getting hit. Don't want to bring back nightmares, but $90,000. Now, as this happened, what went wrong? Uh, what uh, and when were you trading that, that caused you to lose this? What was going through your head? failed to adjust. I failed to have a plan. Uh, 
I had an ego. I wanted to be right. Everything, all those, does not pay pay the man, you know, right. so to speak. Does not uh, put the does not yield. Uh, you do not see the fruits of your labor when you're thinking that way. And that's uh, that was the big part about it. And uh, you know, the whole if I was in, you know, you heard the line, "When in doubt, stay out." No, I was like, I always perceived something would happen in the markets. You know, like, oh, it's setting up for this. Let me. Get, Nah, so I was uh, chasing the markets rather than letting the markets come to me. Uh, I think you learn the most when you have some patience and let the markets come to you. And, and that's just instead of it saying, oh, it's, it's going to go higher, it's going to go higher. I used to have that. It's going to go hard. Ha- it has to. It doesn't have to do anything. It doesn't have, like, that was the big eye-opener, too. Um, I started uh, working with a neuro-linguistic programmer. I got in the mental side of the game where I started understanding what I was thinking and feeling. That's a huge game-changer that helped turn things around. Uh, so that was the exciting stuff uh, about learning. Now, is it painful along the way? Heck yeah. It's working out in a gym, trying to be a, a starter on uh, the high school varsity team all the way up to the college varsity te- college team to the pros, burning uh, you know your muscles and running and, and be the first one in the gym and last one in the gym. Or all that. Yes, it's painful but are the rewards worth it yes they are it's like they say no pain no no gain gain. yeah and uh uh, true to life here now um when did you finally hit a wall where you snapped out of it and turned things around give us a little uh, visual on this on uh, what you perceived what you came into and uh how you turned things around oh when my uh i think it was when my dad challenged me and uh, I started trading on my uh, my own now and and uh, he looked at me and said uh, it was during Thanksgiving I was back for the holiday and he's like how are you doing this year and I'm like eh, I'm not doing too well and he's like you haven't made money in like three or four years like really good money he's like you could you have a college education you're not doing anything you should be at least making sixty five thousand dollars a year you know with that college education and I go I looked at him and I go okay I go um, 365 days from one year from now, I go, that will be my goal to reach that number. I broke that number. I worked back from that number. said, how much do I need to make each and every day? And then I just started putting that. I lowered my expectations and increased my standards of how I was going to do things uh, and focused on, uh, I guess you could so- call it small ball and chipping away, uh, brick by brick. And, and um, <clears throat> that is how I turned basically my trading and me and myself into a uh, a winner, so to speak, or somebody that's on the right side of the markets rather than just getting, you know, slapped both ways. And <clears throat> that was a game changer: is lowering my expe- expectations, increase the standards at which I do things, having a realistic, um, you know, milestone, and then breaking that milestone down to what do I need to do this week? I need to make two hundred fifty dollars this week, you know, or, or whatever it may be. And it was like a thousand dollars a week is what what I needed to be around. And uh, that, w- that was your cost of living. That was my well, my cost of living was under a little bit under that. Okay. But my goal was, yeah, I had a cost of living that I said, hey, I need to uh, be making over like seventy dollars or eighty dollars, or something around that. I added up my utility bills. I had roommates at the time. I was like twenty four and, and all that. So I added up all that. Um, what does it cost me to get a train there and back? Five bucks. Uh, lunch every day, seven bucks. And you do all this. And this is all like living like. Very lean. You know, it's kind of like the lean startup. You ever read the book right. Lean Startup? It's like starting a company very lean. Like you're starting your trading career very lean. So I'm like, this is my cost. So I just need to be above that. So my whole, my big goal was be above my cost. 
Because you can't consider yourself a trader in this business if you're playing the game and it's costing you more to play it than it is uh, to not play it. You know, so uh, that's you're just giving money to the market. So find your break even as as any individual. And all my little a big recommendation is find your break even uh, if you're going to do this. Not your break even if you give up your your career. I had a I had a bartending gig at the end of the day, so I took that in consideration, and it took a little pressure off me to, to I didn't have to make as much money. So you do all these things, and you you listen to these little things that if I adjust this variable, okay, I bartend the Thursday, Friday, Saturday shift. That's going to be you know 600 bucks right there. So that takes the 400 or takes uh, off off a thousand a week that I got to sure, make. Sure. That's 400. I can do 100 dollars a day on average, and then it, you know stuff like that. So you start putting these together. You bring trading down to to God's green earth, down to like instead of like I'm going to be the greatest trader that ever lived. I'm going to make a million dollars a year. You bring it down to um, just chip away, small ball, and uh, you you start working into becoming a, a, a athlete of the marketplace, so to speak, somebody that actually understands how the markets are moving and, and respects uh, the dollar that they make. You know, right. hundred dollars a day uh, trading for a couple hours a day, and uh, or four hours a day, and then go and bartend, and that's a pretty good life. I mean, hey, that's one one life you can work into a better life going that direction too um some individuals already have day jobs and you can work this around that so it's just lowering your expectations is a big one and then humbling yourself and saying all right this is a this is a learning man man and woman's game i gotta learn and i gotta stay growth minded i gotta stay open-minded to learning from every little mistake and that that helps right you know it's uh, it's uh, the, the best way to get to a top of the tree is utilizing all the branches mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, you know that'll get you to where you want to be uh, for that um, so anyway now there's been a lot uh, we talked about previous years gone by about some of the markets and some of the situations that uh, we both were in and such now um, don't want to open up a can of worms, but uh, how about uh, giving us a little insight on, let's say, let's say, mm, let's say the scariest Oops. trade you ever made. Now, um, the scariest trade. Now, I know there's there's been a lot of uh, times where you've probably got caught uh, with a sell in the market rallies or the uh, you know a buy in the market break. What's the scariest trade you've got into? Oh, I remember that one because that one never goes away. There, there's two of them, but the the biggest one, the scariest one, uh, was when I was in the pit. And in the pit, if you said the word "sold," Eddie, what did that mean? Whatever's there, you're the seller, and uh, you will take everything you when you say "sold" without a numeric uh, quantity. 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 Exactly. So basically, it was. Uh, it was a quiet time in the day. Uh, New York was on lunch. We're in Chicago, so we always knew New York was on lunch. So it's like 11 o'clock Chicago-ish time. Nothing big. Nothing yes. big, quiet. We're quiet actually markets. sitting down in the pit because it's kind of quiet. Next thing you know, I see one of the brokers stand up. And he stands up, and I'm like, ah, you know, he's standing up. And you could see through their mannerism it was a big order or not. But today, he didn't show it was a big order. He just, well, show, he just stands up and goes, 87 bid. And he goes, 87 bid. Right when he says 87, I just kind of get up. I'm getting up. I go, sold. And he looks at me. He's like, eyes get really big. And he goes, 300. And I'm like, oh, my God, 300, 600 minis. It's, 600, it's, five, it's five up right now. Five up is how many minis are on the bid and offer. 600 minis would take that 10, 20 cents higher if I want to just go to the market with all of right, them, which is instantly like a $10,000 loss. So I'm like, Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And I was instantly, like, it still gives me chills right now just thinking about it. The guy right behind me was one of the coolest cats I know. 
uh, Tim Gleason in the in the uh, training pit right away goes. Timmy was cool. Yeah, he's very cool, and he right away he's like, I'll take fifty of them, and you know that's like he didn't have to do that. He didn't know he took a loss because instantly it was a loser by a tick. So now I'm sitting there. Markets weren't moving. It wasn't like it was moving. So I'm now sitting with six hundred short at the price of eighty-seven. The markets are trading eighty-eight, eighty-nine tick down, tick higher, tick down. Everybody in the pit knows I'm short. Nobody in the pit has that big a position, even remotely close. Even I. You know, you would know. Um, so now I'm like, oh my God, it, it's it's uh, 88 bid. I'm short 87s, 600 or 200 or what it'd be 500 of them now because 50 of them I laid off, and which means that's uh, 100 minis I gave to the buddy right behind me because he's like, I'll help you out. So I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm short 500 of them now, and I got to get out of these ones, but I can't go to the market with them, or I'm going to move the market against myself because. Uh, I'm short 87s, the market's 88 bids, so it's one tick higher, so I'm instantly out of loser, which means I'm going to have to get 89s, but there's only five of them at 89, and I got 500 of them, go, right. so I got 595, and I'm not going to hit it, I'm not going to lift the offer, because if I lift the offer, then I'm just going to drag or push the price higher, so you have to sit there and work it, and it's called working in order, So, uh, but at the same time, if anything, Eddie, if anything... If anything like came out, and we were trading the Dow, if anything came out positive to the economy and a news-related thing, and it shot up, my life would have been completely over. And when I say completely over, it's completely over like financially. Because um, as a floor trader, uh, if I'm short 500 of them, and it goes screaming higher, I have to get out of those 500. You know, the clearing firm doesn't really know about them at that point, and, and electronic trading, you know, and your fungi, long story short, but um, if it went 10 cents higher, you know, it's for every, like, 10 cents, it was like, I don't know, uh, I think it was, what would it be, five? It would be like 25 grand. So, it would be something. It was something crazy. Crazy. Um, yeah, we could do the math, but um, the whole thing about it, if it moved like 10 or 20 cents, I knew there was 30 grand, 30 grand, 30, and I'm sitting there thinking, Man, I got like 50 grand in my trading account, uh, and uh, oh my God, uh, okay, if this goes, I'm out the trading account, and if, if it went little, because we've seen markets go 10, 20, 30, 40 cents, 100 cents in a second. And it's out, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, if this happens to me right now, I'm my house is gone, my condo's gone, my car's gone, um, they'll seize, they'll, they'll file, I have to file for, all that stuff goes through your head. And it's not like I just had a bad day at work, I, you know, um, uh, you know, I accidentally emailed somebody, and you know, uh, I was ticked off, and I might lo might lose my job. You're gonna lose your career, and you're gonna lose everything you built up, and more, because that's what trading, the world of trading, uh, on the floor. You know, electronic trading is a little bit different. If they see your account here, they can auto liquidate and do all that kind of stuff right now. But that was before all this, mm -hmm. and that was a scary spot. Right. And I got out of that with like a thirty-five hundred dollar loss. Whew. Oh man, I was totally see. happy with that. Yeah. Totally uh, happy with that. So I'll take $3,500 loss and, and skip and dance and all that. And, considering yeah, the yeah, situation. Yeah, so that sure. that was definitely, um, you scared me. You scare me every time you tell me that story. Now, let's just say that uh, we've got a hot tub time machine. Ooh. All right. we got a hot tub time machine, and uh, I'm going to let you use it, Mike. Now, uh, if you could go back in time, right, if you could go back in time, and tell yourself one thing as you started out. Share with us, what would that be? Stay patient. Stay patient. I mean, we're human beings and we adapt. If you can stay patient and, and, and focus and, and get better, or if you focus and, and, and look and observe and, and uh, uh, take everything you, you're digesting and work to improve each and every step, you can accelerate and shorten your learning curve very quickly. And in this game where it's uh, 
profits and, and losses are unlimited, uh, and, and you play it that way, if I started all over and played it that way, I'd be in a much better spot now than I was then. But, you know, that's the I went to the College of Hard Knocks, so to speak, in trading, and you know, so if I did it all over again, I would stay stay patient. I'd slow down. I'd remember that discipline is the number one thing that there's a foundation of trading. So I didn't learn that till later on the game. I didn't even stops in the beginning. Like, oh, it's just going up. I don't need to have a stop. If, okay. Well, what if it goes down? What do you mean? It's going up. Yeah, see, that's how I right. used to talk. And that's right. so if I turned that all over, I would have curbed the ego. I would have been more open-minded to learning to what the market is actually really telling me, rather than what I think the market should do. Uh, and that. Uh, that would have been my uh, my game changer, so to speak, and listening to um, myself uh, emotionally. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. A young buck coming up in the world, financial world, that is so hard to listen to. I mean, even I, you know when I was young, and, and the things yeah. what you know what my dad would tell me, and be right, right, right. But the thing is, as we grow older. Or as you can say, as you trade more uh -huh. and, and, and go through a lot of experiences, things start to come to light, mm -hmm. all right? And, uh, you know, I'm 50-plus, uh, and a lot of things my dad told me is I'm telling my kids, and I'm telling my, my grandson. And, I'm and you know, and they're going to look at you like, yeah, yeah, right, okay, you know what, you're crazy. But it, it is true. So do you think at your age, if you went back in time and you told yourself to be patient, do you think that uh, you'd follow through? Well, um, I need to start on a simulator. I need to start. Uh, we have the, uh, the trading combine, which is a great way to learn, too. And, and when you do that, you're starting off safely. Like, uh, if patients are not, you're still going to take losses. Now, these losses, it's hard to learn when, when uh, and it's hard to stay very patient and disciplined when it's your kid's college fund on the line and things like that. So... The whole point about this thing is bring it back to, for, for me, if I did it all over again, I would look at uh, a safe way to engage the markets and learn from. Because uh, reading a book is reading a book, but you have to learn by doing this business. It's just no different than baseball and sports, and you can't, I'm going to read a book, and next thing you know, I can take an 80-mile-an-hour, 90-mile-an-hour fast. No, you got to no, see them. you got to right. pitch. you got to swing. you got to adapt and, and adjust. Same thing in trading. Do it in a safe environment. That's why we did create the Trading Combine, to help uh, individuals uh, not go through that uh, quagmire of uh, crap that I went through in the beginning. A lot of people do go through that, and some people go straight to the markets um, and uh, to Novell. One thing i got to give you props on is accepting losses and overcoming losses, and that's a professional mentality, because you think about it, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, there are professionals that do go into slumps. There are professionals uh, that uh, need to turn things around. Um, you know, like a, like a like pitcher, when, when the pitching coach comes out and uh, just sort of pauses the game, you know, and just maybe talks a few sentences to the pitcher just to try to get him back into focus. And I think uh, you're, you're blessed with some, uh, some good patience and focus. I remember on the trip, somebody told me this, losses are ordinary, necessary part of the trading game, of, of learning too. I mean, um, whether it's uh, wins and losses in, in baseball or striking out in baseball, you call it every strikeout, yeah, it's a loss or whatever. It's a, it's an ordinary, necessary part of becoming a professional. It makes you think. Makes you, think. you know, there was uh, uh, Willie Stargell, uh, Pittsburgh Pirate Hall of Famer baseball, hit over 500 home runs, mm -hmm. and they interviewed him once. They said, well, you know, what, what got you into hitting home runs and, and being successful at that? And he said striking out. And they're like saying, striking out? Now, mm -hmm. how would that make you hit more home runs? He goes, when you hit a home run, 
You run the bases, you give a couple high fives, you sit back down on the bench. When you strike out, you go sit on the bench and you, you, you think about every pitch that got past you. Yep. What do I need to do? And that's what made him a Hall of Famer, 500-plus, and uh, one of my heroes growing up, that's Willie awesome. Starjo. I completely agree with that from the trading side of the game. Now, um, let's talk about... Uh, the wonderful world of winning trades. Let's talk about that because you know what? That is part of success and that is part of failure. Mm -hmm. But uh, I want to ask you about your favorite trade. Now, uh, there's been a lot. What was the one that you sort of walked off that trading floor saying, you know what? I kicked ass. In, in, you know, 2008 in October, I made 32 grand in one day, and one of those trades is like, jeez, uh, oh, I think it was like 20 some thousand, and I never had ever, even, you know, biggest trade of that time was like 5,000 or something like that. You're talking about four or five times that, but the markets were just nuts. And uh, the markets were wide at that point. The, the the screen was very thin. You know, all those traders out there listening, they know when the markets get thin. No, let me break. Let's break that down. You yeah. said you said thin. What what's what's a thin market? B what? Bids and offers uh, are are not. Uh, there's not very many of them. And so, which means if there's not very many of them, the uh, the uh, it widens out. So the bid to offer spread between the two. Bid is people that want to buy it, and and uh, offers people that want to sell it or cover their longs or whatever. You know, whatever. And so that starts to widen up, and then the book itself of people that are on uh, the best bid, and then everybody behind the best bid, and then everybody on the off best offer, and everybody behind the best offer starts to thin out. So it gets really, really thin. And uh, I remember putting an order on uh, in the pit, and instantly, instantly, right when I go, you know, buy them, and I bought them in the pit. I call it a hundred lot. I remember that time I was trading a lot bigger because I was just crushing it. That that was a good year, um, and I bought a hundred of them, and uh, instantly the market just evaporated to the upside. Now, so you're sitting pretty. You're sitting pretty, but you also got to get out of all this stuff. So it's still scary. You're like, I know this is. I'm just. This is a huge trade for me, but I don't know what it is because you're not. It's not electronic trading where you instantly see the 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 profit and loss right there that adjust with, with all that kind of um, uh, changes in the market. This is a a, a pit trade that then uh, I looked at it to put it on to to hold it for just a, just a bit, and I would hold trades five, ten, fifteen minutes. And right when I put it on, whew, higher, and uh, I started peeling it off five lot, five lot. Five lot, five. I don't care where it was. I just knew it was higher. Boom! Hit the hit, hit the uh, left side. So it's uh, you're basically hitting all the bids. Boom! Hit the bids. Boom! Hit the bids until it's finally evened out. Where um, long 100 meant short 200 on the screen, flat. And then you go, okay, okay, okay. And you're shaking, and you're looking at, at okay. I bought at the price of call it 50. I sold um, five at 60. I sold five at 70. I sold five at 80. I sold five at 90. I sold five at evens. I sold five. And you go all the way up. <clears throat> then you're like, you're sitting with your clerk, like, okay, I did this, that, that. And you're, and the markets are moving, and you're breathing heavy, and your 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 heart's racing. And next thing you know, it, this uh, clerk goes, I got, it, I got, it, I got. It. And he comes back to you. He's like, I got the number. Taps you on the back. He turns around, shows you the trading card, and, he, and it was like 25 grand. And I looked at him, and my eyes get really big, and my like chills go. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, we're doing well today. And it was like two hours into the trading day. I go, we're gonna keep doing this. I go, keep me tight on this. You know, basically, like, don't let me go out of my, you know get all like cocky or whatever you know you can start hitting well or doing whatever you start thinking oh, i got this no because that's i learned in the past so that day was a very good day very very exciting day <clears throat> after it i think i invited 
friends uh, in the city, uh, this is downtown Chicago, come grab drinks with me, all on me and everything. So that was a, that was a cheap $800, $900 bar bill that day and uh, putting up thirty-two grand. I remember thinking, man, thirty-two grand. somebody may, makes that, uh, you know, their entire year. I finally, and I, I've been trading, I mean, I was, what, 29? I've been trading for 11 years. And, and uh, I'm like, I just did what somebody, you know, puts up in a, in, in a day. I just did what somebody puts up in a year and a day. I got to be grateful for this. And that, that's uh, that's and you didn't really celebrate your your wins always because that was part of the game. You know, you know, every time you right. win or every time you hit a, get on base, you don't start cheering because you're like, this is I'm a professional. I'm I'm supposed to be performing well. Uh, so you're always looking at things you need to work on. So when you have winning trades and all that, you you celebrate them, but you don't celebrate them that long. And that was the one I celebrate because it's just a, such an astronomical um, outside of the uh, typical. Uh, winning average that I had. Right. All right. Um, two more questions here. Two more questions. Um, I want to ask you, um, you know, we, we heard about the your dad giving you the challenge. All right. All right. And you, you promised him 365 days from today, we'll check in. Mm -hmm. What's dad think of where you are right now? Uh, he tells me he's proud of me. Yeah, that's really cool. And getting to the point where where he, he like says that and, and, and uh, yeah, I, conf I, I he, the Patak family, we got to validate things before you start, you know, like, you're doing really well. You're doing really well. And that's something that, uh, uh, yeah, I can't expect too much from, from anybody. And But uh, he helped drive me to become better and better and better and never just be okay with where where I'm at and to always treat people with respect and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So all that stuff plays into the, wide, the big, wide world of trading uh, and uh, <clears throat> helps you uh, – Helps you get to where you want to go. Goal exactly. Wise. Exactly. All right. Uh, last question here. Now, um, throughout your journey, there's been a lot of uh, victories and heartaches, and and uh, a lot of a uh, lot of situations where it puts you into uh, acquiring neat things, vacations, and so forth. I want to ask you, Mike. Um, share with us what's your favorite toy now a toy doesn't have to be something made from mattel or hasbro i'm talking about anything in your possession that is your favorite snowboard the snowboard yeah i got into uh i was skiing and then uh lived in color lived in uh california for a little while and then got into the snowboard thing and i remember as a little kid like liking the skateboard and then i went to skis first time I hit the mountain, and then uh, thinking, you know, I like, I kind of like two feet planted in, and then I did it, and now I, I, I uh, travel as much as I can during the, the winter time, and hit as many mountains as I can uh, during the winter time, and, and uh, it keeps me in the moment, because when you're out on the mountain, and whether you're skiing or snowboarding, you're focusing on what's in front of you, uh, I have a, a big tendency to kind of like think down the line, so it keeps you in the moment, keeps you present. And it's good for the mind, and you're out in Mother Nature, and you really like, and, and you're you're working off gravity going down. So it's just like all these things that take no electronics, no anything. And I fell in love with that, and I have two snowboards, and and um, I probably will acquire more. And it's, it's just it's it's found my mountains make me happy. So that's that that works for me. Yeah, real, real personal question. You you name your snowboards? I do not. No. Let's no. let's get names for those snowboards. Let's do. Yeah. And another thing too, I just want to put out there is. Uh, you, you you you've raced, uh, you flew. Mm -hmm. Did you ever parachute? 
Yeah, I jumped out of a plane in Durban, South Africa. Yeah, that was, that was during. So every time was we, the plane okay or was there? Uh, it was actually broke down before. They were trying to because the battery was dead. <laughs> You're jumping out. And they're like, oh, we're gonna just give us a second. We're gonna charge the battery. It's just one of those little Cessnas. And uh, but long story short, every uh, roll or the futures contract rolls. So it's uh, during spread time. It's right. Four times, four a, times year, a year. Four times a year. Uh, those are times where uh, a trader like me or local typically didn't trade their best, and I would then turn those into uh, uh, holidays. I didn't really call them vacations or anything because I like the, the word holiday. Sure. I'd take it on my holiday, and uh, uh, other traders of mine, we'd always say, hey, we're coming up to uh, you know the blah, blah, blah roll, the Dece roll or the um, <clears throat> March roll. Uh, let's get out of here. And we say, let's go to South Africa for uh, a week and a half, and we go. Yeah. So that's that's when trading starts become uh, becoming uh, like this unbelievable business, which is even to me better than sports because you didn't have to go work out in the gym. You had to keep your mind fresh, and you had to always keep uh, in tune with the markets. But uh, yeah, that's when it, it just got really fun. That was in my late 20s. I'm 38, so that's in my late 20s, uh, just getting in rhythm with the markets, and then also knowing when I needed to step away from the markets. Uh, and uh, uh, you'd you'd save more than. You would if you were actually there during times that you were uh, out of tune with the markets, which is usually during roll because right. things are going from one contract month to another. All right. Well, Michael, I, I just want to thank you very much for being with us, sharing your story, sharing your journey, um, your success, your failures. And I hope that uh, for those that are listening, they can sort of, uh, you know, sort of uh, grasp these and, uh, you know, follow through with what they're passionate for. Uh, what their dreams are, uh, what their goals and targets and objectives. Um, so basically, and uh, you know, I just want to come full circle here and and uh, pat you on the back and say, you know what, you're one of the few people that I know that have gone through a lot that has actually not given up on one dream, and you've got yourself through that. Um, you've brought a lot of people with you on your dream. Uh, I, for one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell you, I was... That's because you're the man, Eddie. Hey, <laughs> I'm the man. That's all right. That, but, uh, you know, and, and I appreciate that because the, the thing is, this was a dream. And, and when Mike gave me a call and, and said, hey, you know what? I got this idea. Um, at that point, I was like, you know what? Here, here, I didn't think about the job itself. I thought about the person. Mm -hmm. And I go that Patak, that Patak kid, Nebraska. He's a cool, he's a cool dude. Um, he on the trading floor, you you never burnt bridges. Um, you're very personal, and you know you go out of your way to, to to say hi. And and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna give this a try. And Mike's dream has exploded into thousands of dreams. And I, I think that sort of sums up, um, you know what we've got here at Top Step Trader. Uh, we've always got room. Uh, like we always said, the door is always open. Uh, and uh, well, I'd our, like... Our goal is to empower anyone anywhere to earn the financial freedom to pursue their dreams. I don't, you know, people are like, oh, everybody's got to buy a yacht. No, some people's dream is to be a stay-at-home uh, father or mother or remodel the basement or take their kids to Disney World or land or Disney Cruise and whatever. You know, but the whole, the whole point is is my you know my dream was, was uh, I had different ones along the way. And when I first started, my dream was 
very, very large. So the point is, and that's the goal of, of Top Step, is to help you bring your dreams down to something attainable, hit that one, hit the other one, because dreams can start off as just a, a bicycle, um, depending on where you are in your life, to a motorbike, to a car that helps, uh, whatever, or taking the family out for, for, for dinner could be somebody's dream. And, and uh, the whole goal is, is to use the financial markets in a way <clears throat> that you can learn about yourself, you can learn about the markets, you can uh, set yourself up for success in the future, manage risk, understand risk. Uh, these are all things that you do every day in your checking account. Uh, bring it to the marketplace uh, or bring it to a top step trader and do the uh, trading combine. Get a feel for the markets and give yourself a real, real chance at it. All right. Well, Michael, uh, Mike Patak, founder and CVO of Top Step Trader. Michael, thank you very much here. And uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll be back here doing another podcast with a lot more stories you got for us. Cool, Eddie. Thanks for having me on. All and right. as I always like to say, trade smart and always trade for tomorrow. We'll Perfect. see you. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take yeah. care. Bye. All right. All right, Mick. Hey, let's unpack that interview a bit as we close things out here. Now, um, what did you grab as let's say let's say the most important part of the conversation sure well first of all awesome interview with michael uh, i really like his story it's an exciting one um i like hearing about the hardships and you know overcoming those over time so it's pretty cool but some of my biggest takeaways and i'll start with what i think is the biggest one it was actually something you mentioned in that interview eddie you said something along the lines of you need the passion to make this work and I couldn't agree with that more. We here in the futures industry, uh, we're amongst a, a great amount of competition. There's a lot of competitive yeah. people out there. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of smart guys and girls out there, too. Um, and I think in order to succeed in this industry, you do need to be passionate passionate about what you're doing um, the more passionate people out there are going to be the ones that are taking money out of the other people's pockets you know the thing is too if you have that slight inclination of non-passion I mean if there are times I mean to be honest with you I mean times I've gone to work and I've been in the pit and uh, you know I've been trading electronic and and so forth and it's been like you know, I've asked myself what am I doing here you know um, but it all comes full circle to say, like, you know what? You do love this. This is something that you want to do. And that's always been sort of in the background. Um, yeah. it, you know, like, you know, you talk about falling down and uh, picking yourself back up again. You know, that's the push that I have. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, pick yourself up. Get back at it. If you're passionate about it and you try hard, you're always going to be learning from the mistakes right. you make, and you're going to come back stronger the next time. And it took Mike right. three thirty thousand dollars accounts to do so, and then it took. <laughs> um, I mean, think about it. Think about it. You know, I mean, gosh, thirty thousand. I'd get myself an RV and travel the world. <laughs> you know, but but uh, he did it three times. But anyway, so I really like the passionate part, and then you know something that I could relate to personally. Um, Mike mentioned that while he was trading he had a side job he was bartending nights going to work on the floor during the day and then bartending again um, when I first started trading I thought I was going to be doing it full-time and it was going to be my only job I quickly realized that I had so much pressure on me to perform and I was you know 
I wasn't making money every single week, so that made me nervous. And yeah. I had to go do some side jobs. You know, I've always been into cars, so I, I had a little Please. auto detailing business mm-hmm. on the side. That helped me. You know, it took a lot of pressure off me, and it allowed me to, you know, have an open mind when I was trading. I also did some painting, too. And I know that there's a lot of traders out there who do stuff on the side for that exact same reason. Right. You know, I've known a lot of traders, too, that were successful uh, and did other jobs on the side. So it's a, it, it's, it, it probably um, came a little easier for them, but as far as the majority of us, you know, there is that uphill climb, and it is a tough uphill climb. And you've got to remember, you've got to pay those bills. There's got to be some sort of uh, way to put food on the table and put clothes on your back. So sometimes the market is just your best friend, and sometimes it's your worst enemy. Right. And keep in mind, um, down on the floor, at least in the grains room, the pit was open for three hours and forty-five minutes. So you're out at one fifteen. You've got right. the whole the whole day left. Yeah, we used to, to hate you guys to go do something. Yeah, we like had it, yeah, we had it really good. Yeah, we're here till three. Okay. Um, I also, what'd you think about him saying that he took time off during the rolls? He mentioned he wasn't making money on the rolls. He'd go on vacation uh, during that time because you know he had noticed that he's losing money on these rolls. But you know I, that was something good though because he realized uh, a time that wasn't profitable or sort of you know it didn't build confidence in that type of the market. And there's a lot like that. You know sometimes um, some traders don't like trading on Mondays. They like to they like to see the market sort of open up a bit. Or they don't like to trade on Fridays. I mean, there's there, it, to, to each his own. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of different. Uh, I mean, eco numbers. I'm staying away from this one. Or hey, this one I've, I'm I'm really familiar with. I know what uh, I can do with it. So I mean, it, it's each trader is different. So. Absolutely. And I've heard I've heard a number of guys and girls say, you know, I I kind of take it easy on Mondays. I watch the market, and then Fridays, like you mentioned, Fridays are a little bit slower. Volume dies down around lunchtime. You know, I've got some guys that trade crude oil and they won't touch it on Wednesdays because of the EIA EIA, inventories. And, you know, it's smart. Um, Mike recognized that, hey, if I stick in here and I'm fighting these markets around a time where, you know, after a few examples of it just not working for me, it was cheaper for him to go take a vacation than it was to bleed out his account in the market. And, And that's so smart. You know, in my experience, traders, when they're hot, they're not taking time off of work. They're there in the markets. Right. While they've got a good feel for the current environment, they're there trading. And when they're when it, they're not feeling it, when their strategy's not working, they take time off, and um, it, it it kind of adds up to a, a happy lifestyle. What's better than comfort and success? Gosh, I can't think of anything else. You <laughs> no, know, no, that's cool. Good question. <laughs> that's that's it. So. But anyway, um, Mick, I'm really happy that you were able to join us here today. This is awesome. Um, Thanks. That was a lot of fun. Great having you here in the Top Step Trader broadcast booth. And uh, I hope to see you again here soon. Yeah, we'll be back soon. Cool. All right. All right. All right, traders, as always, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Give us feedback at LimitUp at topsteptrader.com and if you got some time please go to the iTunes and leave us a review thank you so much we'll see everyone next time
Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.